Hey, if you got a Bible, which I hope you do, because we're here to worship the Lord, we're going to worship through his word at this time, would you take your Bible, find a Bible in front of you, uh, grab the Bible you brought with you, uh, or grab a flat screen, whatever it is, and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. See if I can find it. Oh, I did. Romans 12. And look down to verse 6 of Romans chapter 12. Paul writes these words, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Romans 12. If you've got your Bible still open, go over to 1 Corinthians 12. I want to show you something else. 1 Corinthians 12, jump down to verse 7. Paul writes these words, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 1 Corinthians 12. Talking about gifts, spiritual gifts. One last one. Turn over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Let's get those pages turning again. Love that sound. Ephesians 4. And when you get there, jump down to verse 11. We're going to read verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 4. And it reads this way. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. We're talking about gifts, specifically spiritual gifts. Here's the deal. If you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you also, at that moment, received the Holy Spirit within you when you received Christ. And because you received Christ and you received the Holy Spirit at that moment, may I say to you on the authority of, Of the inerrant, inspired word of God, these words to you. Congratulations. You're gifted. You are spiritually gifted. If you've come to know Christ and received him as your Savior, you received the Holy Spirit, I want to say to you, based upon what God's word is telling you and telling me, you're gifted. God has given you spiritual gifts to use and serve the body of Christ, to build it up, as Ephesians 4 says. In his amazing grace, that's what God is doing. He has empowered you. He has enabled you to be able to serve Christ by serving others. It's all of God's design and God's doing. Now, if you're here today, I just want to take a second and just say to you, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're going through life without the hope of going to heaven when you die. Moreover, as you go through life, you don't have the presence of God working through you, empowering you. You don't have that fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. And you don't have the spiritual gifts 
So which means I couldn't say congratulations. Now, I could say congratulations, you have abilities. Congratulations for your amazing talents that God has given you. Those have been bestowed upon you by God's grace and God's love for you. But you're missing out on life with Christ and the spiritual gifts he wants you to have and to enjoy and to be able to bless and serve others and to know that joy. And so simply, if you confess your sins, you repent of those, and you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and give him your life and ask for forgiveness, then he will forgive you and he, the Holy Spirit, will come to dwell in you. I just wanted to say that to you because this message this morning is really directed at Christians, those who have received Christ and have the Holy Spirit. And so as you might be here today and you've never received Christ, I just want you to listen in to the story that we're going to look at today and how God works in his church in the way that God has designed it to work. Here at Grace Hills Church, which is where we are in case you forgot where you were, (laughs) we have three full-time pastors on staff. And we also have about 10, 11 or so part-time staff members serving in various capacities. They all have a role to play. And and as I thought about that and the reality of this, um, the, the reality is this. We have over 100 volunteers serving here at Grace Hills Church, whether that's a weekly basis, monthly basis, but well over 100 volunteers. If you were with us back this past fall, we had a special event called the Ministry Summit. And at the Ministry Summit, we recognized our volunteers. It was a way to say thank you. We gave them tacos and had a great time together in here in worship and celebration, recognized a couple of our servants just behind the scenes. And we went into some training because we say, hey, we value, we want to show we appreciate you as a volunteer. And as I thought about volunteers, let me ask this. <clears throat> How many of you, well, I'm sure many of you know the web, okay? How many of you ever gone to Wikipedia, to that website? Raise your hands if you've gone to Wikipedia. I see a number of you have gone to Wikipedia. That's because Wikipedia is the number five of all websites in the world that people go to. It's ranked number five. It has over 500 million visitors per month. There are 300, or 40 million Uh, articles written in there in 301 different languages. So the fifth most popular website, 301 languages, 40 million articles, 500 million visitors a month. Here's what's amazing. Wikipedia, all their articles and how they're edited is all managed and done by volunteers. Volunteers. The fifth most popular website in the world with 40 million articles is all managed and edited by what? Volunteers. As I thought about that, the church is a volunteer community. We're gifted, as Scripture tells us, and we serve one another as volunteers. Part of that is going on. In fact, the reality is, if we didn't have our volunteers here at this church serving in their capacity... As I think it would be said in the Greek, we'd be toast. <laughs> Maybe in the Hebrew, we'd be in deep weeds. We would not be in good position to carry out the ministries without volunteers. Same thing for Wikipedia. They would be nowhere without volunteers. So this morning, we have a story. We're going to look at seven guys, seven men who volunteered to serve. They came together to serve a great need in the church. 
I think this is going to be a fun story to look at. And after looking at their story, we're going to explore why, like them, like these seven, we should serve in our church, Grace Hills Church. And as we do, we're going to look at the difference serving at Grace Hills Church can make. And then we're going to see as well the benefits that come from serving others. So that Bible that you had to look at those three passages of Scripture, would you pull it out again and turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, our text where we're going to be this morning. Acts 6, where we find the choosing of the seven. Acts chapter 6, give you a moment to get there. So this story that we're going to encounter finds us in this church in Jerusalem with a significant problem. That's right. Problems aren't new to the church. We're also going to see a proposed solution to the problem as we look at through this text. And then we're going to see how the congregation, the body of believers, responded to the solution. So let's look at the problem in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Let's stop there. Your translation might have daily distribution of food. We all need food. We all will enjoy food later today. Food's important, and it was in this case as well. You might have noticed two groups, Hellenistic and Hebrews. Some of you might have a translation that says Grecian Jews. Bottom line is, Hellenistic Jews, they spoke Greek. That's the category we want to focus on about them. And, the, and then the Hebrew Jews, their category, their kind of label, if you will, is they were bilingual. They spoke both Greek and Hebrew. In the culture of that day, they kind of, well, they weren't like, hey, let's all get together, Greeks and, uh, and or Hellenistic Jews and, and Hebrew Jews. They, they were kind of, there was some tension amongst them. And it kind of could permeate into the church, understandably, just because they're coming in, saved, and learning how to become like Christ. So as you look through here, and verse 1 tells us the problem is between these Hellenistic Jewish widows. That's where the problem lies. And they're being overlooked in the distribution of food. Kind of the food pantry, if you will, of the church in Jerusalem to bestow upon them the needs for nourishment. So what's interesting is Jewish society of this day, they have a system in place, particularly found within Judaism, where these needs could be best met. Old Testament talks about this. But here's what's going on. These women, these Hellenistic Jews, have become followers of Christ. They've left Judaism. And as a result, they are running the risk of that policy, that system that's in place in Judaism, of not being able to be uh, to benefit from that, to not be able to have the food that they would normally be able to have. So here they are. This is what's happening. It's a challenge within the church. It's also interesting to think about, well, why are these Hellenistic Jews in Jerusalem? What's going on here? Well, they did so. They moved there without their relatives, so they don't have that network of support. So why are they here? It's because older couples wanted to go to Jerusalem to be buried there. That's what brought them there. And so, in this case, their husbands have passed away, and they have a problem. They're being overlooked in the food distribution. What's interesting to me is if you go back a couple chapters to Acts chapter 4, verse 34, it says this, There was not a needy person among them. And yet in verse 
Six, I see Hellenistic Jewish widows having a need. So what's happened here? Why is there a need all of a sudden showing up a couple chapters later? Well, the answer is found within our text. Go back to verse one. It says, now in these days, this is the first century church getting started. When the disciples were, and here it is, increasing in number. Growth, numerical growth, new conversions, people coming to Christ. That's what's created this problem, is they have a growing church. Therefore, there is what? Growing needs. And that's what's unfolding here within this church. It's true that numerical growth can kind of bring some problems. Can I tell you about a problem we've had here in this church? <laughs> Let me tell you about a problem we've had. It's a good problem. We have a growing children's ministry. We have an event called VBS that we put on at the end of June. The challenge that we've had for years is where do we get a shop, so to speak, a room on campus to set up to get things ready for VBS? We've used the room in the children's center, and what's happened with that is it's displaced kids into another room, so they can't be in their normal room. So I don't know if you noticed today when you drove in, there's a couple containers, storage containers. Those are always there, but right to the right of them is a bigger, longer storage container. I see somebody nodding their head like, yeah, I saw that. Well, that's the solution to our problem. We came up with a solution. The elders came up with a solution. Pastor Mike came up with a solution to say, hey, let's do this. Let's put a container so Rich Meyerski, who heads all that construction, can have a place to work and be in his shop, and our kids can still meet in their rooms. It's a good problem, isn't it? So they have a good problem going on in here. We have problems as well, and these are good ones to, to endure and to, to deal with. So let's look at the solution. We found about a solution here. What's the solution going on in Acts chapter 6? Well, let's look at verse 2. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables or to care for this food distribution. That is the complaint within this church. The 12, Peter, James, John, those 12 that we think of when we think of the disciples. I like the part in here as it's written by Luke is that they don't like, well, we'll get to that some other time down the road. Those have to suffer for a while. No, it implies that they got right on this. They came up with a solution. They addressed it. They didn't ignore it. I love that about their leadership here. You see, the 12 had a challenge. They could focus on the widows, but then they would neglect preaching. If they focused on preaching, they would neglect the widows. It's a challenge. It's a dilemma. What are they going to do? And this is their solution. They've got an idea here. The 12 recognize their position. Their apostolic authority, rather, was to preach and proclaim the word of God. And so they see that as their pride and their duty. So what do they do? Great question. Look at verse 3. So they've summoned them together. Here's the solution. Therefore, brothers, this is the other disciples that are there, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. They've got a solution here to the problem in caring for these Hellenistic Jewish widows. Did you notice the qualifications? There's three. First one, they have to be of good repute. It has to have a good reputation. 
The good reputation comes by way of the other two qualifications. They need to be full of the Spirit. Not just that they received Christ and received the Holy Spirit within them, but they need to be full of the Spirit, something we can pray and ask God for and instructs us to be full of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, joy, self-control. Those kinds of characteristics, this is part of their repute, that it goes before them, their reputation. The last one, third qualification, is full of wisdom. In other words, these were men that they wanted within the church body that, hey, go to that guy. That guy's got wise counsel. Go, go to them for instruction or wisdom and how to deal with the challenges that you're facing. So these qualifications preceded these seven men that's noted and that they will be the ones who these 12 instruct, hey, have those guys care for the, for the needs here. So how does the response go between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews within this church? What's the response going to be to this? Well, I'm glad you asked. You've got great questions today. Let's look at verse 5 of Acts chapter 6. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, the whole church, the whole assembly. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. There's our seven men that have the reputation of being full of the wisdom and full of the spirit. They're the ones that have been chosen to be the ones to care for the needs of the widows and their food distribution. Did you see how God is at work here? I love how the church is unified. I got to believe that those widows... When they heard this, do you imagine the relief that they felt, the hope that they had, the joy that would have come over them going, we're going to be cared for. As God is working here and the assembly says, yes, let's do this. And so this begins to unfold. It's interesting, all these men have Greek names. I did as best as I could to pronounce their names. The, the point I want to bring out is, is that they would know best how to care for their own. They would know best how to care for them. It's interesting. Here at Grace Hills Church, uh, right now as, we, as I speak, there's a Spanish service going on because we have people in our community that have a specific need for a Spanish-speaking service. At 2 p.m. this afternoon, Japanese service. Uh, can you imagine if Pastor Mike or myself or, or, or Matt got up and tried to lead a Spanish service if we don't speak Spanish? Or Japanese? Oh, man, forget it. That's why they do what they do. Same case here with these men. Hey, they're the best ones to fit and meet the need because they'll be able to relate the best. The word deacon is not used here in this passage, but it sets the foundation for what we would call deacons, which is talked about in 1 Timothy 3 as this begins to unfold. A seed, if you will, is planted. What's interesting then in verse 6 is what happens next, a special part here. Look at verse 6 of Acts chapter 6. These they set before us, so these seven men, before the apostles, and the apostles prayed and laid their hands on them. It's a commissioning service, if you will. Blessing and saying, God, go with these men to care for the needs as you've called them to do. This is a practice that's been going on for 2,000 years. When I came on staff here, the elders and Pastor Mike put their hands upon myself and my wife, Pam. 
When Pastor Matt was brought on staff, same principle. We're just following what Scripture says, and it continues on. We've, we've gone on a mission trip to Honduras. That team came up, prayed over. When the VBS volunteers, I'm sure, will be praying over them. Uh, when we have a child dedication, we lay hands on them. So you get the idea where this goes as a practice in the church. Now, did you notice, as we button this up for a moment and go into some application, did you notice the, uh, the qualifications of seven men? There's full of wisdom, good repute, and what was the other one? Full of the Spirit. In other words, you could go up to these seven men and say, What? Congratulations. You're gifted as God has designed it to be for you to fulfill your service. So the seven serve. But let me ask this question. As a spirit-filled follower of Christ, why should you serve? Why should I serve? Why should we serve? Let me give you four reasons. Number one, because you were created to do good works. God puts you on this planet and puts you in this church so that you could do good works. Your giftedness has a purpose. You're not on God's team to sit on the bench. You're to be in the game. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and 10 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And here's verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, his handiwork, his poetic work, if you will, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared in advance Grace Hills Church, and he prepared in advance for you to be here and be part of the family of God so that you could go out and do the good works that God set before you to do. I mean, when we look at Acts 6, the 12 apostles had good works to do. That was the preaching of the word. The seven men had good works to do. It was the caring for these needs of food. I don't know if you realize or not, but to pull off a worship service here at Grace Hills Church involves a lot of volunteers, the ushers, volunteers, the greeters, volunteers, that you can hear me on this microphone, volunteer, that you can see something on the screen, volunteer. And we could go throughout the children's ministry and the youth ministry and everywhere we go in between services and look and go, it's volunteers, the food that was set out for you today, volunteer. It's all being done by volunteers. In other words, your worship service experience would be completely different without them. It would be completely different. So they're doing good works. Here's a second reason why you should serve. Because you are commanded to serve. Because you are commanded to serve. Now you probably will by now remember the title of this message. Congratulations, you're gifted. Therefore, well actually, find your bulletin. Maybe you have the sermon notes out. Well, find the bulletin now and go to the front cover. Bobby, our office secretary and extraordinary, put this on the front cover. Here's the verse. As each has received a gift, spiritual gift, we looked at those earlier, use it, there's the command, to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Why should you serve? Because it's a commandment found in Scripture. And so with that, I just want to say for those of you who who serve, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to serve in this church. Here's the third reason of why we should serve. Because you have God's word to equip you. 
You have God's word to equip you to serve. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You might have noticed in your bulletin, on a weekly basis, we put in the personal time with God. That's so that you can be equipped through the week as you read and take time to be in God's word. You might have noticed that we give you a memory verse each month to memorize. Philippians 121 is our memory verse this month. So we have the scripture to help us be equipped to be ready to be able to carry out the work of the ministry here at Grace Hills Church. A fourth reason why we should serve is because you have believers to encourage you. We have one another to encourage us while we serve. In Acts 6, 5 and 6, we saw that the whole gathering was pleased because serving one another encouraged one another. Hebrews 10, 24 puts it this way. And let us consider how we may spur or encourage one another on toward love and good deeds, towards acts of service for carrying out and using your spiritual gift. May I encourage you this week, maybe if somebody you know who has served you and blessed you at Grace Hills Church to send them a text, an email, a card, a phone call, just say, hey, I just want to say thank you. I just want to stop my, my week and just say thank you. Thanks for serving. Have a good day. Talk to you later. It doesn't need to be a long thing, but just to put it out there. To say, hey, thank you for serving. Thank you for what you're doing. This, earlier this week, I was going through my file, and I was, the message was ready to go, but we have to write the, the Bible study notes for our life groups this week. So I'm going through that, looking through some materials to get some ideas. I come across a sheet in my file, Servanthood. And it's got a lesson I wrote probably 20-some years ago on serving. So I look through it, and like, okay. And I flip it over to go to the next sheet, and I look on the back, and I'm thinking, whoa. On the back of this sheet, it says, Bill March rocks. And I thought, wait, what? Who wrote that? Oh, Bhagwan. Bhagwan, his call sign as a naval aviator and top gun pilot, his real name's Eric. He somehow, at some point in time, 20-some years ago, went into my files, grabbed a file, and wrote Bill March rocks so that one day when I would open it, I would see it. That day happened to be earlier this week. It's just the encouragement as we serve the Lord, and that's how I got to know him was through serving Christ. So here's the deal. Because you're gifted, you can make a difference for Christ by serving others. You can make a difference for Christ by serving others. How do I know this? Well, let me give you two examples. The first one is found is this. This happened in the church in Jerusalem. This happened in the church in Jerusalem. Our final verse of our main text today from Acts 6. This is verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I like this verse so much. Let's read it again. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Why? Because when you're gifted and you start using your gifts and serving Christ and serving others, it makes a difference. And it's recorded for us today, 2,000 years later, to be a reminder to us 
Because gifted believers served, preaching expanded. Because gifted leaders served, more people became Christians. Luke wants us to catch this wave of God's movement throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and the other most parts of the earth right here at Grace Hills. Here's another example of how I know that you can make a difference for Christ by serving others because it's happened today at Grace Hills. It's happening today at Grace Hills. Let me call up Miss Etta, our children's ministry director, to hear how that's been happening, hear a little bit of her story, and where there's some opportunities awaiting us today for you to be a part of. Etta? Thank you, Pastor Bill. Good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning. Uh, we all start out in ministry different ways. Um, I made the commitment to serve regularly in children's ministry 17 years ago um, at a different church in Irvine when my pastor delivered a, a similar message about what do you want to make your life stand for. And I had been hesitating about serving in church. And at the time, I had an almost two-year-old daughter. And I'd been in children's ministry uh, for a short time before, working with um, toddlers and preschoolers. And I absolutely loved it. But I got busy as a new mom. Um, But that day, God called me back into ministry. And I'm so glad. So Pastor Bill's message today uh, is titled, Congratulations, You're Gifted. And because you're gifted, I wanted to ask and encourage you to make a difference for Christ by serving in children's ministry as a volunteer. So here at Grace Hills, just a little quick recap. We have 29 amazing children from birth through fifth grade who attend Grace Hills regularly and represent 16 children's ministry families. And this doesn't include the 20-plus children who visit Grace Hills regularly and are mainly our congregation's uh, extended family. So there are no uh, age requirements or, or limits to serve in children's ministry. Right now, our youngest volunteers attend high school. And one of our older volunteers uh, just got a knee replacement so she can keep on going with us. So um, in children's ministry, uh, we never stop. We run uh, programs 52 Sundays uh, a year. Um, We also meet on Wednesday evenings, um, uh, but not during this, just during the school year. We run um, on Wednesday evenings. And our biggest need today is for classroom helpers on Sunday mornings who can serve once a month. That's 12 times a year for about an hour. And we also need classroom helpers on Wednesday evenings who can serve once a month for about an hour and a half on on Wednesday evenings. So classroom helpers support the lead teacher in supervising the classroom, and they serve a vital role because we can't hold a class without a helper. For security and accountability reasons, uh, children's ministry requires two non-related adults per classroom. And to have all of our four Sunday school uh, classrooms running at full speed, we need 16 people to serve. And we currently run three classrooms, first service, and two classrooms, second service. And that's with several of our team members serving multiple times per month. And to have four classrooms running at full speed on Wednesday evening for children's Bible study, we need eight people to serve. And we currently have two classrooms running with several team members serving multiple times a month. So um, we have tremendously dedicated volunteers, but as you can see, there's, there's a great need. And our, our ministry would get Um, would only get better with more hands on deck. Um, And I believe it will transform our ministry. Uh, There's a favorite Bible lesson of mine uh, where Jesus and his disciples are gathered with a crowd and little children come barging into the crowd of adults. And the disciples tell the children to go away and basically that they're being a bother. And I love this story because right there, 
boom, Jesus moves children's ministry to the front of the line, and he calls the children before him, and he affirms their importance. So by serving in children's ministry, you will help children deepen their faith. You will see children develop their relationship with Jesus, and in the process, you'll help minister uh, to families as well as impact generations to come. And there are so many ways to serve at Grace Hills, and today our ministry got moved to the front of the line, and I just want to say thank you to Pastor Mike, Pastor Bill, and our leaders um, for um, making children's ministry a top priority. And over the years, I've received your notes and um, prayers of support uh, for this important ministry. So if you'll look in your bulletin, there's a, a green card, a vibrant green card, and it's a volunteer interest card. And you'll see areas in which you can serve. There's children's ministry. We're kind of at the top there. But there's also very uh, lots of other important ministries here at Grace Hills. And um, just check that out, and you can see where um, other areas you can serve. Um, Pastor, or actually, Pastor Mike and I were at... Um, in the courtyard this uh, this afternoon or this morning, and I will be out here um, after service um, to collect these cards. If you could fill them out with um, wherever you think you'd like to serve, um, and I can answer some more of your questions in details. Just um, look; you can see the canopy out there with the balloons, and um, there's also Krispy Kreme donuts. If you turn in a card, you get a donut. So, come visit me today. Thank you again for giving me the opportunity to speak, and I look forward to seeing you at the tent. Thank you. Thank you, Etta. Sounds like a sweet offer to me. Yeah. Turn in the card, and then you can uh, have a Krispy Kreme uh, donut that's, that's yours. And, and, and that card, just real quick, uh, if you find that again, just take a moment. Find, find that volunteer interest card, basic info. Uh, I just want to highlight one thing she said. Uh, particularly, she mentioned about needing some helpers. I'm here to tell you something that I think, as I was standing up here thinking, I'm like, man, can they pull this off? I think they can. I'm looking out, and I see everyone seated. As a helper, I was talking to Etta, most of the time, you're seated. So you can pull this ministry off. If you can sit and pay attention, you can do this. That's the, uh, we're, we're trying to make this as simple and straightforward as we can. So there's children's ministry on there, student ministry. You'll see music ministry, caring ministry, particularly with our Orange County Rescue Mission to helping that out. Greeter ministry, you're greeted by somebody. Usher ministry, every week volunteers help you get into the service. There's the resource center where we have various resources for people to just be encouraged and, and edified. Maybe there's another ministry. This is available. I want to encourage you to be reminded that you, for some of you who are retired, your spiritual gifts do not retire until you're with Jesus, okay? <laughs> Neither do your natural abilities or natural talents retire either. And the opportunities to serve are not going to retire here either. They're always going to be there. Uh, I looked at the math, and there's 8,760 hours in a year. What she requested of is to serve about 12 hours a year, one hour a month. If you're to do the math, that's less than a half a percent of the entire time you have the entire year. Just to give some perspective of what we're talking about here. So we'd love to see you afterwards to look into that. When you serve, let me close with three benefits that come your way and come our way. First one is this, our church will be blessed. 
When you serve our church, we'll be blessed. This is how God designed his church, being blessed from being served, and serving is to be the norm, not the exception. In Acts 2, if you were to look that up in 42 to 47, you see that unfolding in the church. The church is blessed. It's what we see in Acts. It's what we see here, and it can continue to happen if we respond to the needs that are here. Here's another benefit when you serve. Whether it's just an hour a month even, you will grow spiritually and you will grow relationally. You will grow spiritually and you will go grow relationally. The greatest spiritual growth in friendships I've experienced as a Christian have come, no doubt in my mind, from serving with other people and being challenged to be in the word, as we talked about, of being equipped to be able to serve. This is how God has designed his church. God is the one who does a growth. He's the one who gets the credit. And you look at 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 8, where Paul talks about the role that he and Apollos played. But at the end, God is the one who grows you spiritually. And in the midst of that, you begin to form friendships and relationships that you otherwise wouldn't have had had you not been serving along with them. So that's a benefit. Final benefit is this. Christ is glorified. Christ is magnified. Christ is exalted when you serve. 1 Peter 4.11 puts it this way. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that, here's the key, so that in God, in all things, God may be praised, exalted, glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. You see, being gifted as a believer, using your gifts to serve others has an ultimate purpose. It's to bring glory to God. As I thought about this, this morning, God was glorified when the widow's needs were cared for. God was glorified when the seven men were commissioned to care for the needs and act in service. God was glorified when the apostles continued preaching the word. God was glorified when the church grew. In other words, if you were to really stop and think about it, the title of this message is Congratulations, You're Gifted. In effect, what we're saying is, God, congratulations. God, be exalted. God, be praised. You're the one who's done all this. You're the one who gets all the glory for the work you've done and are doing and want to do through us. So, since you're gifted and I'm gifted, how will you respond? How will you respond? How will you take this card? You've heard about the current needs that we have in the church. I want to encourage you to take that card and go visit that table and grab a donut. Like the church in Acts 6, I want to encourage you to seize the opportunity so that may it be said of Grace Hills Church as time goes on, that the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Father, we need your help with this. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and gifting us, that God, you would dwell within us, that God, you would give us an opportunity to be in a church family as Grace Hills is for us here today. And I pray, God, that we might respond to the opportunity that is before us. Jesus, I'm reminded that what you said, you didn't come to be served, but to serve 
and to give your life as a ransom for many. God, may we grow to be more like you and to serve and care for the needs that we have around here at Grace Hills so that, God, ultimately, you be glorified in this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.